Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of Grok Talk, brought to you by GraniteRock.com, New Hampshire's leading political blog site, creeping inexorably toward being Northern New England's leading political blog site. Northern New England's leading political blog site. You can, of course, find us at granitrock.com. That's G-R-A-N-I-T-E-G-R-O-K.com. But we also have our little conservatarian toes dipped in the not-so-fetid social media pools of Gab. Gab TV, MeWe, Minds, Getter, Locals.com, and Twitter, where things are still fetid, but heading, hopefully, in the right direction. Joining me for another foray into some pushback, against the encroaching politics of the progressive culture are Mike Rogers and Skip Murphy. And later on in the program, we'll be joined by Rob Russell, the owner of 2A Tactical in Barrington, New Hampshire. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you doing? Good evening. And I'm so glad that your greeting of ladies and gentlemen is so un-Disney-like. They have already dispatched the Mickey plane to come get you. The Mickey plane. All right. That's okay. I'm armed. I I don't have any sort of anti-aircraft quality level arms at my home that I'll admit to. (laughs) But um, (laughs) but, but, uh, we are are equipped for a small incursion, and um, I think I have adequate ammunition available. Well, I guess might be able to to help you out a little later on. You might. You have plenty. I know. So, um, but you're like... Two hours away. No, I meant our guest <laughs> that's coming on the show from Two A Tactical. My, my, oh, that's might true. Have some yes, good Rob, advice for you, Steve, on, on how to he would have some excellent. He might be able to hook yes. me up. I would be. I, that uh, would be uh, awesome. I could. Uh, ammo's really expensive, so uh, any any discounts are appreciated. And so we uh, we will be talking to Rob about his deal, what's been going on, how the town of Barrington and a, a few individuals in particular have been mistreating him. And um, so we'll get into that. We'll have uh, one or two segments with Rob. And then a little later on after that, we're going to continue the um, abuse by local officials segment. It's almost the whole program, but not quite. Um, with an update from Skip about some people in uh, the leadership roles, so-called leadership roles, who aren't being entirely honest or forthright or any of those good things leaders should be. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But we'll, we'll do a little uh, national or national type uh, conversation first. Mike had shared with me a fabulous article that I didn't get to read, but he luckily he sent me a little synopsis of it, so I kind of got a hint. But um, it's about that Fauci guy that we've heard about and about flu. And I will say this before I cut Mike loose to tell us about what he was reading there. Um, the FDA has come out and said, gosh, you know what? COVID's just like the flu. Now, they didn't mean it was just like the flu, as in, you know, if you get the flu and you're sick, you stay home. And if you're not sick, well, you just go do whatever you were going to do. They meant it's with us forever, which implies so are all the things that come with it from the top-down so-called experts, one of them being Anthony Fauci. And one of the things that Mike snippeted in his little piece was a bit about what U.S. policy is going to be moving forward with regard to treating the flu. Mike. Well, not to mention the fact that they're hoping to be able to combine a flu and COVID shot going forward, which is going to be particularly nasty. I didn't like the flu shots in the first place. Uh, so I'm following Dr. Robert Malone in his Substack, and today posted a particularly interesting article. He encountered a scientist working for the Department of Defense 
who in 2006, around the time of SARS-1, have been doing research on soldiers returning from all parts of the globe and trying to find out which ones got sick with these flu viruses that they encountered and which ones did not. And as the research progressed, he found out that high or even moderate levels of vitamin D improved your chances of shaking off the flu enormously. Also, various people like Fareed and Tyson that, it, that uh, researched uh, COVID in the early days discovered that vitamin D helped ward it off, especially if taken early in larger amounts than normal. So this scientist in 2006 discovers the correlation gets rock-solid evidence, and uh, his boss said, well, this is an interesting line of research. You need to go meet with Fauci. And Julie, the man, set up an appointment and went to meet Fauci, whereupon he was told that uh, Fauci told him, in 2006, this is, that U.S. policy is to control influenza in the USA with vaccines, not therapeutics. It may be good and harmless for you, but it's not good enough for Dr. Fraudchi. So unfortunately, we've been having flu va vaccines pushed on us for 15 or 20 years, and now we're having COVID vaccines pushed on us, and sooner or later we'll get a combined vaccine pushed on us with even more strange side effects. And personally, I'd rather avoid that uh, experiment altogether. Talk to the lab rats about it, but leave me out. And and that and that and that then that's the general nature of it. And there's, there's a lot more in the article, which again is on Substack. Uh, who, who is Doctor or who is Robert Malone? It's an excellent uh, Substack in any case. Great article, lots and lots of information, and makes it very clear that the CDC and and the uh, NIAID have no interest at all in pursuing simple and cheap therapeutics. He also states pretty interestingly. The number of people that die each year from influenza on average and the fact that at least 50% of them would not die if treated with sufficient levels of vitamin D or if their vitamin D had been high enough to start with, leading to the conclusion that over a 10-year period, something like 150,000 lives could have been saved or extended. That's a few. Yeah, I think that... Uh that's more than a few, and we discovered early on. I don't remember when we started. Um, I don't know if it was Dr. Cole or um, one of the other guys that we shared, like, <clears throat> after the spring of the first year of COVID, and they were coming out and saying, well, you know, here's the problem. Um, all of these people have issues uh, with vitamin D deficiency. They're, I mean, almost all of them. And, you know, he talked about how why you see more flu in, in people with darker skin, because especially up here in the Northeast, they can't get enough sun to produce enough vitamin D. If they don't supplement, they're more likely to get these kinds of symptoms and to have a cold and to get sick. And the solution to that is to simply supplement with vitamin D, which we take at my house every day. And... I don't know if that's why I never get the flu, but maybe that's it. Well, I have, uh, I have regular vitamins with vitamin D and vitamin C and zinc in them, all of which are good for this. I take my orange juice. Um, we've got some other things that got vitamin D in them if I need them. 
but uh, I also get outside in the sunshine. It is apparently, for us pale skip faces at least, sufficient to be out in the uh, sunshine for a little while every day with your hands and face exposed. So in summer with your arms exposed as well, you're, you're making enough of this stuff. And which is why we don't usually see spikes in the spring or summer, which is something we can get yeah. into later. Uh, how's, how's the vitamin D over at your house, Skip? Every day, both Debbie and I take it. Um, we're probably going to start the grandson pretty soon and uh, try to go ahead with that as well. But he, it's now the great weather, so he's outside all the time. Of course, he just got his first bicycle with training wheels so as soon as he gets off the bus he's into the garage to get on that bicycle oh that's so that, that's out. excellent stuff he's getting yeah. his exposure that's what you need yep. and your but house faces south. That, yeah but i've noticed that i have been other than last week and we i'm blaming that on the grandson as well for bringing something really nasty home um you know i've noticed that i've been sicker less uh, yeah. Since this thing started, partially because we're out less, but still, even with that, um, far better. Well, I'm and not out. I'm not out less, and I do get plenty of sun exposure. Well, you've can of course embrace the Zelensky protocol, which is vitamin C, vitamin D, um, zinc, quercetin. There may be some black seed oil in there and some other things. All relatively natural uh, ingredients that occur in nature that you can take that are supposed to help you with problems like inflammation and, and viral, you know, all that good stuff. And it's all, you know, relatively affordable stuff. I mean, almost anybody could pay for it and, um, and keep themselves in pretty good health. Uh, we've seen a lot of research coming out um, that favors the use of vitamin D and vitamin C. Um, I'm reading Colleen Huber's book, The Cure for COVID, and she has some research in there on um, supplementation, which is, again, just another example of all of the information that's coming up and becoming public if you choose not to stick your head in yeah. the uh, corporate right. media sand uh, that you can read and explore for yourself. And here's a, here's a neat trick. It's really cheap. Just take well, here's, it here's a, here's and see thing, what happens. Steve. Even... Even the National Institutes of Health website has links which have news you can use if you know to look for it. There was a nice piece of research, and I don't think it's been withdrawn, that says that the reason why stuff like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and quercetin, and they named a few others, work is because they're zinc ionophores. You take a little extra zinc, all well and good. But if you take a zinc ionophore, even a small amount, and a little extra zinc, more zinc ions get into your cells, and they help stop the viral replication. It helps to break the cycle. So that's why colds and flu and other stuff tend to stay away if you take a little bit of these things. And ivermectin has been van banned, although we seem to have it legalized in New Hampshire. Hydroxychloroquine has been made very difficult to get. Quercetin you can pick up with vitamin supplements off almost anywhere, including, dare I say it, the site of Bezoslibub, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, Mr. Now, Mr. The question I have, forever <laughs> is with uh, the Department of Homeland Security standing up this new KGB, I mean DGB, Disinformation Governance Bureau, is all of the stuff that you're talking about, especially the vitamin D stuff, which is relatively, oops, 
Ah, I should have got that off before. Um, is that now going to make us villains? Are we going to be put on the mean people? Or are they going to fly more? Are we going to get the DGB plane flying out to all of our homes? May- make us? That that presumes we're not already uh, yeah, on such a well, list, I've which I know is my, true. I've been wearing <laughs> so. my president's enemies list shirt until since Obama. But aside from that, Skip, you especially, and a few people from down here, are on the list. Did you not see where Mary Poppins, whatever her name is, the uh, mistress of the, <laughs> uh, of the Ministry of Truth... Ina Jankinovic or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, her came out and said, and I, you know, for something very close to, um, parents objecting to CRT in schools are spreading misinformation. We are disinformers. Hey. So yes, you only, you know you only what, you have to fight against better? bad stuff to be a misinformer. Yes. The Ministry of Truth says that it's not a Ministry of Truth. Well, so yeah, there you there's go. no truth there. That's, that's for all sure. you really need to know. This is all the proof and you need. And how many of us are going to trust um, that when the government says that that bureau is not going to be uh, shadowing American citizens, how long are we going to believe that? There's my conspiracy well, theory. You know it was gone. In the original, in the original uh, announcement of the formation of this fabulous little organization, they were very specific about its purpose. They said that its job was to ensure that minorities in the South were not misinformed. That was its specific original mandate, which, of course, when I wrote about it, I said, you know, mission creep is inevitable. Well, well mission I, creep I, is I, baked I, in. That's just the way it's going to be. So the government's pushing all sorts of stuff that's not necessarily good for us, and they want to make sure the mes- minorities in the South don't get a contrarian point of view. Can anybody spell Tuskegee Airmen? Oh. oh yeah, I mean it's 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 just ridiculous. Grok Talk. This segment of Grok Talk was brought to you by Kirby Q's one sixty three River Street, Alstead, New Hampshire, next to the Alstead Gun Shop in did I say it? Alstead, New Hampshire, where they're always smoking something. They uh, have been diligently selling I've been vaccinated against tyranny buttons, which is why they get this free plug, because it wasn't free. They actually sent us money. So there you go. You too could be a beneficiary of the brought to you by section of every segment of our program. If you are interested, reach out to either Skip or myself, and you can reach us both by emailing editor at granitegrock.com. Coming up next, uh, as soon as we get him into the program, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, another segment of If It's Happening in This Town, It's Happening in Yours. Rob Russell, the owner of 2A Tactical, will join us to talk about this uh, not-so-excellent adventure with local government. And as a reminder, later on in the program, we'll keep that theme going with an update on an ongoing story on our pages where so-called leaders are deliberately not following the law. So let's see if uh, I can find Rob. You guys go ahead and chat it up. Okay, so the other thing that came across my desk today, uh, courtesy to our uh, regular informer and photographer, Ouija, uh, was a link to Town Hall where it states that uh, the big guy was pulling much more than 10% from Hunter Biden's deals. And, in fact, it refers to him taking 50% of some of the uh, of the deals, especially with China, 
which is interesting because last year the New York Post carried a piece where a message from Hunter to his daughter Naomi said, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years, Hunter wrote in a 2019 message to his daughter Naomi that was found on an abandoned laptop. It's really hard, but don't worry. Unlike Pop, I won't make you give me half your salary. Whoa. You know, now, I don't know if you know if, if you already knew that, but I had actually read that I before. I did not. But there has been that other thing that's been circulating around that about $5.2 million cannot be accounted for from the big guy's IRS taxes. And people are starting to think, is that Hunter money? Hunter invested a great deal in the family's welfare. It was the other half of the bargain that, uh, for him introducing people to pop. Yes. Five, five million seems like a very small sum to me, though. Given the numbers that have been popping up here and there in the news over the last few years about Mr. Biden and his family and all the fun, exciting things they did while he was Obama's point man in various parts of the world, um, not just China, but, you know, everywhere. And so that seems like a small amount. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it is a lot of money. I mean, $5.6 million is still if almost $6 million. If you had two or three million dollars invested, million. you would never have to work again, and you could live very comfortably, very comfortably, even, yeah. even in today's inflation. I, mean, um, I, could, I could stop working and just well, do exactly. this all the time. Um, you know, I got near it once or twice, but I also uh, kept my uh, my family very well uh, <laughs> entertained. Yes. Appointed. So Appointed. That's the way. That's the way that goes. But yeah, um, it's also interesting that uh, you know, with so many, uh, you know, so many deals, so much money. I mean, that's just a piece of it they couldn't account for. I'll bet you there's a whole lot more just sloshing around. And, and don't forget the other habits. Don't forget Brother James of, of of the big guy. Money went in a number of directions, including up Hunter's nose. Oh, yeah. I mean, and uh, it's ridiculous. So Rob is trying to reach us. He's trying to log in. I, he must be having some kind of issue. And don't don't so, forget, uh, remind him to use to Chrome. This stuff doesn't about. like other browsers. All right, I will do that. All right, next topic. Go ahead, filler, okay. filler, filler. All together now with pride. This came across my desk. Now Kellogg is getting in on the transgender stuff and trying to push it onto your kids. I'm, uh, I'll am i have to post this up, but it's a uh, Tony the Tiger and uh, Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and all of the other characters from all of the Kellogg cereal. And together with pride, all heart-shaped type stuff. And on the side panel, it says, 100%, 100 amazing to put into a box. And it lists he, him, she, her, they, them, and add your own pronouns. Okay. So, there are only yeah. three types, he, she, and it. Yeah, and I don't well, mind calling them it if they're sufficiently nondescript. They, the animal, they the animal, vegetable, and mineral. Yeah, they basically have 
made a devil with glad and glisten and all those other folks to push their message through cereals. I now know what cereals not to buy for the grandson. It's uh, been that way for longer, Skip. Uh, Tony the oh, Tiger yes. had a gay episode 10 or 12 years ago. We haven't bought any since. You know, the, the, the this is from PJ Media, and it shows some of the old-time boxes of cereal where, okay, inside there was a U.S. Navy frogman, and then they, they used to package Super Bowls in this, or a Skelosaurus, or this, that, and the other thing. I even remember the... The uh, yeah, it is the Jackson Five with the with this special uh, punch out of a forty five record with their songs on it. It's like this was kind of cool stuff. Now it's all ideology. Such a gift, right? And never forget gay bucks. Yeah, Starbucks so, coffee. Starbucks hey. coffee uh, went uh, persona non grata around here a good few years ago. You know, and, and I in do fact, wonder, you'll remember my gay box emblem, I think, from a few years back. It does give me concern because, you know, if I want to be preached at, I'll be sitting my butt in church. All right, we got hey. Robert. Hang on, let's let him in. Rob! Hello, sir. Can you hear us? Yes, That's right. yes. I can hear you now. All right, this is kind of a new headset for me. <laughs> okay. This this software is new to us. We've only used right. it for a I, couple weeks. I I was trying to log in. I had to log out and log back in. So apparently that was the trick. All right. That works. Unplug it and plug it back in. All right. Well, you missed my fabulous introduction, but Skip, you've been working with Rob uh, on his issues that he's had, which are numerous, which I've read about, and it doesn't surprise me the least bit, I'm sorry to say, but um, we're here to help. We're here to help in any way we can. So, Skip, please introduce our guest, and um, yes. let's get going. Uh, welcome, Rob Russell, to the show. He is the founder and owner of 2A Tactical. He started off when he was medically discharged from the Army. He was in the infantry, decided that what he wanted to do going forward was to, um, I don't want to say cash in, but utilize his armorer's uh, capabilities and opened up a one-man home-based uh, shop in, in his home because he saw that there was a, a hole in the marketplace. And things started to go well. Business increased. He hired a couple more uh, vets to help him out. And then the town came around and said, hey, we have to fix that side of the road over there. And they spent lots of time and probably lots of money and then it caught the attention of some ne'er-do-well politician, and I can say that because I don't live in Barrington. And besides, I'll, I'll come and greet him later on, um, and started to give Rob and crew trouble. And they said he couldn't do his shop there. He was getting too big. People were complaining, yada, yada, yada. So Rob went and bought a piece of land, put all the money into designing and creating a building, said, okay, I'll stop being a home-based business. And what happened? He got more hassle. And uh, lawsuits lawsuits uh, ensued and uh, cost Rob a pretty penny and got to the point where all of a sudden the town dropped the lawsuit. And I subsequently put up that, the video of that particular selectman meeting 
And the latest thing that I know of right now, besides the 63-page document, I still have yet to put up. I'm, I'm going to be doing that. I like to do the... For pol political ne'er-do-wells, I love using the Chinese water torture, one drop at a time. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those deals that here's the... Here's that video. And now you followed it up with a, with a petition against two particular people there in town. Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Well, hey, first of all, guys, thanks for having me on. It means a lot, and uh, we really appreciate the exposure. So how much did I get wrong? So it's good to get some uh... – no, no, I think uh, you the your, um, your summary was good. Uh, yeah, it's uh... – we started in 2015, and then um, we've been growing. Everything's been really good. And then about a year and a half ago, we got dealt uh, just a, a real, you know, uh, hit at a far left field that we did not expect. And it was uh, a lot of people that I didn't know their names. And I've told many of my customers this. I hate that I know all their names now. <laughs> In the beginning of this, I knew two names, the fire chief and the police chief. And now I know all their names, uh, which is not something I, I wish I did. Well, you know, the, the goal here, Rob, is to make sure that they regret you knowing their name. Not, uh, in, a, yeah. in, a, not in a violent way, but in a political <clears throat> right. discourse. You know, you're, gonna, you're, you're like, all right, fine. You've dragged me against my will into this mud pit. That I just didn't want to be in. I was just creating jobs and and generating revenue for the economy. And you guys came along and you rained on my parade. Well, guess what? You invited me in, and now yes. I'm here. As I often say, surprise! Right. It, you have brought yeah. me upon yourselves. Yeah, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to just grow this business. I I never dreamed it would grow this fast. That's for sure. A lot of people have said, "Why don't you move out sooner?" You know, I I could not predict the future. And uh, it, it grew very fast, and that's a good thing. Um, we hit a niche, especially with gunsmithing. There was very few gunsmiths in the area, and that was the big area that we uh, we we found the big void. Um, I didn't want to be just every other uh, gun shop, and no, no disrespect to the other gun shops. They're great. We get along with all the gun shops in the area. But uh, we found this niche, and we started growing fast, and yep, I started hiring people. Just remember, my degree is in criminal justice, so running a business is something inc incredibly new to me. Um, so I've been kind of learning as I go. So you in, know. at this point, can you give us a few more details into what the town folk – and have, have a little bit of fun, name names – uh, because I know on that petition that you're now circulating around for a special meeting, uh, you're calling them out for raining, as Steve said, on your parade. Now it's time to turn the fire hose on them. Yeah, and just to be specific, more than just raining on a parade, they were very specifically trying to end our business. They were asking for an emergency injunction to shut our business down, which have en which would have ended about eight full-time positions and another half a dozen part-time positions. Um, and when I asked the town of Barrington, you know, how many uh, people, businesses, entities have you sued in, in the last decade, they, they estimated three to four. So this is a very rare instance 
in Barrington. Extraordinarily rare. Um, as far as where we're at, um, I typed up that document you're referring to, um, much like a police report, tried to keep the emotion out of it. Um, I tried to identify what, in my opinion, were the two primary bad actors in the situation. I'm not of the belief that everybody in town government is terrible. Everybody here in town is bad. Uh, it's actually not true. I mean, look, we went before the zoning board twice and we won. So there's definitely good people in town, the fire chief, the police chief. I can think of a lot of good people serving the town of Barrington. But I can say for certain, again, in my opinion, that our uh, our town administrator, um, Connor MacGyver, and our, of all things, our town treasurer, who lives a half mile down the street from me, um, Peter Royce, who initiated this whole thing. He pushed that big giant ball and he started that thing rolling. Um, those are the two that fueled this fire. And made this to become, you know, we were public enemy number one in Barrington for about a year and a half and brought to bear all of the weight that Barrington could bring to shut a business down. And they failed. So that's essentially where we're at. So we're, we're, we're getting signatures to hold what is a special town meeting, which really, to, to, for most folks, if they don't know what that is, it's an election. And I'm new to all this. It's it's literally an election where we are uh, the warrant article, which, again, it basically it's a law, if you will, for the town or it's an ordinance, uh, not really a law, but an ordinance is better to put it that way, um, will be to uh, uh, compel the board of selectmen to remove these two from public service with no chance for rehire. So that's what we're doing. Do you get any sense that there's uh, any anti-2A animus, or is this just people in town, a couple people in town have decided that you rubbed them the wrong way and they just can't take it? All right, so I, I hate identity politics. I've tried to go where the evidence has taken me. I've done, I think now, four right-to-know requests. I've had documents anonymously forwarded to me. I've At the time that I wrote that, that packet that you're referring to, uh, Skip, I put everything in there. There's a lot actually more since then. Um, here's the deal. I don't have anything currently to prove that this is anti-gun. I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm not saying it is. Um, if I had something in writing, I would absolutely tell you. I would I would throw it in big lights and put it on a billboard. <laughs> um, I'm trying to be you know, again, go back to my, my 14 years as a police officer and just kind of try to stick to the facts. What I can tell you is it was anti my business. It was anti a bunch of veterans, a bunch of non-vets, a bunch of good human beings trying to work for a living, especially in a COVID environment where businesses were closing left and right. So I, of all things to to try to shut a business down because the town treasurer lives a half mile mile down the road and says he doesn't like the cars on the road. And by the way, says he doesn't like bouncy houses at our once a year barbecue. Actually name that in an email just to mention how ludicrous this thing was. Put it on the warrant. No more bouncy houses. All right. No. Yeah. You have to get a special uh, license in Barrington to have a bouncy house. Oh, yeah. Be careful. They'll go for that. They'd love those. Those things are, you know, hand a bureaucrat an idea, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm running with that. If they can make some money. And, of course, 
the town lost money on this thing, and so did we. Everybody lost. Mm-hmm. The, the you know? problem is, is that here's another instance, and this happens not just in your town. It happened in my town. It happens everywhere where these self-selected folks that are nominally called the good old boy network decide that they are the ones, for whatever reason, that should be running things in a particular location. And they get used to it because, for the most part, a lot of people say, eh, everything's okay, may not be great, but it's not bad, we'll just let them keep on doing it. And then they start getting very full of themselves, so the word being hubris, and they decide that they can do anything that they want. And we'll be talking about, you know, another instance of this, and maybe a couple instances of this happening in my town once again, where people decide, I don't have to follow the law. My school board, my commission, my whatever, doesn't have to follow the law. We don't, we just do what we think is right, and people will be happy with that. And obviously in Barrington, you decided to take on the good old boy, and it's not easy. You get vilified, you get yelled at, you get painted as being somebody that you really aren't. And you you look at what people are telling you, it's like, I'm not that person. Yeah, we know that, but that's what other people are saying. Been there, done that, when I first got uh, going in local politics, Rob. And right. you're facing that right now. You know what the best thing you could do, yeah. Rob? Uh, Poke in the eye, run for selectmen. <laughs> uh, a few people have suggested that at this stage of my life, I've got too much going on with trying to build this building, which arguably the town probably set us back at least two years and probably $2 million. That's just by my rough estimate. Um, so they're sitting and complaining that this special election is going to cost seven to $9,000. And I'm certainly not doing it to be punitive, but I don't know what to say. You have a town with a, with a uh, budget of, I think, seven-something million dollars or eight million dollars. I don't know why we're, you know, it, it's part of the democratic process. If 49 other adults, registered voters, agree with me, we get this right. So don't complain about the cost, especially when you just sued a business and you lost another, you know, 20 grand or whatever the town lost. Um, you shouldn't have sued us in the first place. Uh, so that's what we're doing. We're, we're waiting until May 31st because we're trying to get the, the word out. I, I could get 50 signatures in a day, but we're, we're, we're giving it another 20 days or so to, uh, to let as many people know. Um, the most disturbing thing about th- this uh, special election was the fact that our chairman of the board, who is a veteran, by the way, and I, I certainly respect him for that, uh, Dan Manshrek, but he actually said that even if the, the majority of the town votes to, we'll, we'll just call it recall, whatever you want to call it, Fire. let these two go. I don't like saying I don't like saying fired, but whatever. We'll call it what we want. They, they won't work for the town anymore. Even if the majority votes that, that, that per the town attorney, the same attorney that sued us with the, this incredibly sloppy and inaccurate lawsuit, advised them that they don't even have to go with the majority vote. In other words, they don't have to listen to it, which I don't know if that's correct or not, even if it is. Whatever happened to the will of the people? I just it boggles my mind that that someone in a, in a, an elected office and the, and just so you understand the chair uh, the treasurer 
and the town administrator, at least in Barrington, are appointed. They are appointed by the selectmen. So in theory, only selectmen can remove them or the attorney general's office. But uh, for them to say that, in theory, I actually posed a question to him. I said, well, theoretically, what if every single voter voted to have these two removed? What would you do? And his response is, we would take it under advisement. And I, I thought that was just a, 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 a heinous slap in the face of democracy. I don't know how else to put it. But OK, if that's your that's your side. It, it man. always comes down to that old joke. What do you call a sending a thousand lawyers to the bottom of the sea. And the answer is always, it's a good beginning. The, pro the problem is, is that <laughs> there are too many government assisting lawyers, you know, especially the school board uh, kind. They're basically not much better than scum suckers, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, both Steve and Mike know that I don't often go off into bad language land. But these kinds of people that the lawyers won't give the really good advice and say, you know something, you ought to be doing the right thing. They're oftentimes is just trying to screw over people like you. Again, for the audience and for you, Rob, I'm suing the local school board, my uh, school board, and I see the same thing. The lawyers saying, you don't have to do anything. Um, and and you get put your mic down Steve yeah sorry that means they're bought and paid for legal hacks not lawyers if there were true lawyers giving good advice they'd do what you said but they're not the school or whoever hires them and said tell me how I can get away with this yeah well if the lawyer was giving good advice they would have advised the town not to have sued us in the first place so we already know the lawyer is giving bad advice that's true everywhere, though. I mean, if you just go right. through every piece of evidence we've ever published where there was a lawyer involved in a town or a school board, they always make the wrong choice. They always waste money, and they do it deliberately because their intention is just to drain you dry and to run you off or to make an example of you so that other people go, oh, my God, I mean, maybe he won, but it cost him millions of dollars. I I'm never going to do yeah, that. Most of us can't afford right. that. And, uh, you know, you end up, and we know a lot of people who are doing it pro se. We have a writer, Lori Ottolano, who literally is taking on City Hall in Nashua and now has won three lawsuits straight against high-powered, high-priced uh, lawyers that the town pays for by itself using part of her tax money. But she wins. Yeah. Yeah, they act like it's an endless, an endless bucket of money, don't they? They do. And so... We got a couple more minutes, probably four or five minutes. So where are you now? If you can kind of sum that up, if we haven't covered it already, how's your building going? You know, whatever you can tell us. So the bill. So uh, we're waiting on one variance before the um, the 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 piece of property legally changes hands. We're fully under contract. People keep looking it up and they see it in the name of the old owner. Um, we've already, we're, we already made a down payment. We're already making payments. So that's kind of a little bit of fib. I think that the town's been trying to say that we don't actually own this land. Um, it's no different than if a, a you know, a bank uh, owns a note. Um, so, so we're, very much in the process. In fact, the town's been extremely slow and has uh, ignored a number of my emails um, regarding trying to make this process go quicker. Um, as far as the uh, um, 
the uh, petition. We've had people drive from all the way across Barrington that have no interest in guns just to come out to my shop and sign this petition. And we've met people uh, probably, I don't know, I've probably spoken to at least 10 or 12 just in the last uh, four or five days that the petition's been live that have had a number of horror stories with these two individuals that we're trying to uh, remove. So it just furthers my, you know, that I know what I'm doing is the right thing because I'm not the only one that's also experienced this. Um, Peter Royce has been uh, in power, I guess I'll say, for I think nearly his entire adult life in Barrington. I, I don't know that factually. I just know he's he's been in town politics for an extremely long time. Um, Connor, not nearly as long. Um, I think Connor is the youngest town administrator in the state of New Hampshire. So on May 31st, when we have our I, hundreds of signatures. We'll uh, pr uh, give them to the selectman. The selectman gives them to the clerk, a town clerk, and then they check the list, and then we get this special election. As far as our building goes, uh, you know, I have the building permit. <laughs> we could build today. Um, the co with with the nice uh, delay that the town gave us, what was supposed to be a $2.3 million building would cost upwards of three to $3.5 million today. So with them dropping the lawsuit when they did, and I've got people contact me, why aren't you building, why aren't you building? Um, in our business plan, we could carry a $2 million note. Um, I can't carry a $3.5 million. It's just simply not in the cards. So with them trying to get us to move out, saying this was the problem, we needed to not be in a residential neighborhood, it, you know, they've actually prolonged the issue. But the zoning board has declared that we can technically be here forever. But just to be clear, we're leaving. My wife and I want our house back, you know, and – We've got people like Peter Royce in emails telling people that this is just a big ruse. Um, I put a quarter million of my own money into this project already that I, I will never get back if we don't build this building. So this would be the dumbest ruse in history um, if I was just trying to pull a funny one on my neighbors. Um, so so that's where we're at. We're we're, we're going to do this building, uh, believe me. Um, but right now we just have to wait. We got to save up some money. We got to see what the market does. Hope this COVID stupidity um, ends and uh, we can all move on with our lives. And we're going to try to get these two people removed, you know, just trying to do the right thing. How many people do you have already on the petitions, Rob? Uh, I'm going to say we already have over 50. Um, there's a lot of people that I know are walking them around their neighborhoods. And, you know, so I I don't have the actual numbers, but I I mean, just in our shop alone, we are almost at 50. So knowing the other people that I've been in contact with that are hitting their neighborhoods at Barrington up, um, it doesn't help us if someone outside of Barrington signs it. It has to be a registered voter, and they're going to check. But even though, like I said, we could just get 50, we want to get more because we're trying to raise awareness. And these are more people that are obviously, if they sign this, they're also more likely to vote to have these people removed uh, when this vote actually comes to fruition. Has anybody come to you and say, hey, if you call this off, we'll do something nice for you? Are they tr anybody trying no. to do that route? <laughs> No, I had one angry neighbor, and I say angry, he lives about a half mile down, not Peter Royce, one guy come by and uh, 
tell me, give me his angle. It, it's not even worth it giving a name. It's it's a non-player in this thing. Um, other than literally that one person and a couple people uh, sniping at us on Facebook, it's been all positive. In fact, it's been extremely positive. Um, and uh, it seems like a few people on Facebook have actually just been getting fed questions and obvious uh, intel by the other side, which I fully expect. I mean, I've been I've worked for the for the government my entire adult life, so I know their playbook and and, and I get it. OK, good. Just do your thing. We're going to keep doing our thing and we're going to hold these public servants accountable. Well, Rob, if there's anything else we can do to help you with that, by all means, send it our way. Um, if you have people who have stories they want to tell or op-eds they want to write or, or encounters they would like to share with the rest of the world, uh, they can do so anonymously in an op-ed, or they can use their name, which we prefer, because then it's much more legitimate. But um, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us about what's going on over there, because you know while we feel bad for the situation, we totally understand it. It's not uncommon, and the only way that... Uh, we can use the resources and the reach that we have is if we're aware of that problem, which what Skip's been doing, he's been sharing your stuff, and that's what we do. And uh, so let's just keep that going. Oh, thank you, guys. It's really an honor to be on your show. And again, I we appreciate the uh, the awareness getting out there. All right. Thank you, sir. We're going to move into our next segment. Um, Rob, if you want to hang around, you can. That's up to you. Um, we're going to be talking about... Where am I going here? i got to find my notes. All right. Mwah. Oops. See, I need more... I have all these monitors in this room that I have got to hook up because I need to be able to move this stuff around. I've got some and, stuff I have to help uh, Mrs. 2A Tactical <laughs> with, so I do have to run. But I'd, right. love to, I'd love to chat with you guys again someday, okay? Absolutely. All right, thank you. Post, post all right. victory. See you, Rob. Thanks, guys. All right. Will do. All right, welcome back for our final segment of this week's program brought to you by our Grok Meat sponsor, the Area 23 Pub in Concord, New Hampshire. Yes, if you volunteer to let us use your space for free, we will bring you lots and lots of business and you'll get free advertising. The uh, Grok Meat um, will be at Area 23 this Saturday, May 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. If you'd like to join us for appetizers or beverages, neither, either, or both, visit granitegrock.com, that's G-R-A-N-I-T-E-G-R-O-K.com, and click on the ad at the top of the page or in the right sidebar for all the details, and we hope to see you there. So earlier I alluded to another small town issue about people claiming to be leaders who were ignoring the law, and Skip has made mention of it in some degree throughout the program today, but we're going to cut Skip loose and have him give us an update on what's going on up there. Well, first, because I see uh, Uncle Mike's uh, little graphic behind him, um, just to, because I can be a proud grandpa, uh, My uh, the grandson who's in kindergarten came up saw my banner that I had up, and he pointed up to that blue part and said, I know what that says. It says granite grok. It just blew me away because so many adults don't even know how to pronounce granite grok. When I say skip at granitegrok.com, they kind of look at me like, how do I sound this out? Steve, even you just uh, spelled it out for people. So I thought, who is at fault here? The adults? With a grandson showing them up. But anyways, yeah, you know, 
as as people have been uh, watching Granite Rock, I've been using the initials GAC, Gunstock Area Commission, for quite some time. They are supposed to be the overseers and overwatchers of the Gunstock Mountain Resort, formerly known as Gunstock Ski Area, of which I live on the other side of the mountain where they are running. And there's been a big brouhaha been going on here. Um, and it goes back to the good old boys that don't want to give up the control. And then they will fight like anything that they can to make sure that they get to keep running things. And in this case, uh, Commissioner Gary Kaidash, who has been a CEO multiple times, basically had a mental midget fit uh, over the weekend and wrote an email uh, on Sunday and addressed it to the now commissioner. And it's funny because Gary Kaidash was the acting commissioner and he and the former uh, chair were trying to get Mr. Peter Ness kicked out. He was a political threat. So that, you know, lots of things have been going on. So, Peter, I called to your attention to an unfortunate current posting on the Granite Rock that attacks former Commissioner Gallagher and the GAC. I'd like to have the posting discussed at the next GAC meeting and put on the agenda. Meanwhile, I'd encourage you to, ref to refer to and be familiar with the November 18th, 2020 approval of GAC meeting minutes on page four under miscellaneous. Now, I haven't bothered to go look at that yet because this email was sent to me while I was still uh, prepping the request for proposal for our upcoming Granite Rock application on smartphones. Well, this is all politic political. This guy is a narcissistic sociopath when it comes to politics. He's so used to getting his own way as a CEO that he doesn't care what goes on. He even wrote a code of ethics uh, to basically act as a muzzle. I've talked about the code of ethics uh, that I was supposed to sign and refused to uh, years ago, in which Mr. Kaidash was caught at a uh, GAC meeting, basically personally attacking uh, one of the new commissioners, Dr. David Strang. And David Strang basically said, well, according to your own code of ethics, you are in error compared to the bylaws, because you you just did exactly what you wrote not to do in your code of ethics. So it everything tumbles down from there. What came out over the weekend, I was at a meeting on Friday, a non-public meeting, public first, they went into non-public and then came out as uh, public, of the GAC, at which time they go, went ahead and uh, made public the non-redacted billing invoices that the uh, that former chair uh, Brian Gallagher and uh, Gary Kaidash have been using uh, Divine Millimet, basically not as the GAC uh, lawyers, but personally using them almost well, almost as if they were their own uh, personal lawyers to go after anybody that they thought uh, posed a political threat. That's. Most of the reps on the Belknap County delegation, all the New Hampshire State House reps, including our very own Grokster Norm Silber, I have to uh, add one of the main reasons why all of this has been going on, uh, because Norm, being a lawyer, follows the law. Imagine that. Um, and racked up tens upon tens of thousands of dollars. They went after 
both of the all three of the brand new commissioners trying to get them knocked off from being appointed by the Belknap County delegation. Um, just stupid stuff over and over and over again. So, you know, I put up a piece. Yes. And the, one of the pieces on May 7th that I put up was Gunstock Area Commission. So let's see how transparent Gary Kaidash will be about his email, shall we? And I went on. And basically, one of the things that I wrote was, side note, or maybe Brian Gallagher did, in the end, finally realize that his gig was up as he had turned into another GAC seat squatter. Just like Rusty McClare when he sold his Belknap home back in 2020 and didn't give up the seat. That's important because the enabling uh, uh, legislation, RSA 399, requires that every commissioner have a, be a residential property owner in Belknap County. Well, Gallagher's term wasn't up, but he stayed in that seat for a long, long time when he didn't. Re- we just lost Skip for a second. Skip, I'm not hearing yeah, a word I, I of you. I cannot hear Skip. Oh, now he's back. Yeah. Okay. No, there he is. I got a phone call coming in. So that's something new about Riverside that we have to Well, I think out. that your recording will continue, but we'll find out when we're done with the show. This is all part of the learning process, yeah. so go ahead. Yes. So I think uh, Gary Kaidash took exception to that, took exception that I would have the temerity to use such evil words as GAC seat squatter. Rusty McClare had overstayed his term of office by a bunch of months and uh, finally was escorted out by the county delegation saying, you're out of there. And uh, another person was finally appointed. <laughs> My friend Doug Lambert, who was appointed by the delegation. So all of a sudden, Gary Kaidash's power base has disappeared from being five to just himself. And he is really angry about this. So he had a long two-hour conversation that cost the taxpayers of Belknap County because any money coming in or out of uh, the Gunstock Mountain Resort, that's taxpayer money, even though he says, no, it's not. We are a business. No, you're a government agency still making snow the last time I looked. Um, But the fact that he would jaw for two hours trying to find a way to keep Gallagher on the commission when he shouldn't have been tells you that they're not following the law. So that was one thing I wanted to bring up. And then there's another one. Uh, The present chair, uh, Peter Ness, is a lawyer, a tax lawyer from what I understand, decided that for this code of ethics that I just mentioned a few minutes ago, is it legal for, the, for Gary Kaidash to have written this and put it into place? Well, the answer is no. So going back to Rob, our guest of just a few minutes ago, can these towns do these kinds of things? What is the conservatives were always saying, what is the limiting factor? And we basically have to say, There should be. Most of these good old boy networks say, no, we're going to do what we want. So can Kaidash or could Kaidash put a code of ethics into place? The lawyer that was hired to go through the enabling legislation came up with these. The commission possesses only those powers expressly granted by the state. Dillon's rule of state, 
every subdivision of the state can only do those things that there's an RSA, a state statute, allows them to do that. See, Gerard versus Town of Allenstown uh, on an ordinance to restrict rent, rents. Town of Hooksett versus Baines opposing term limits. And what they came up with in terms of the GAC is that there is no grant of express authority in Chapter 399 or amendments permitting the commission to adopt an ethics policy. So this muzzling bit, yeah, right, like this is this is not news to me, folks, but this is what happens when people refuse to follow the law. I don't care whether it's nearby me, in my town, in Rob's town, in your town, anywhere. You always have to ask when somebody's trying to do something either around you or to you, do you show me the law that says you can do it? And basically the lawyer said, you can't do this. So now that code of ethics, along with probably most school boards, you're out of there. And that's the object lesson for today. This poor schlub. Oh, the the chair, by the way, after he wrote this uh, letter said, stop wasting the GAC's time on this. You got to beef with Granite Rock. Go talk to them. I haven't heard anything just yet, but the next GAC meeting's coming up real soon, and they always have a public comment session. I will talk to Mr. Kaidash in probably ways he won't particularly care for. All right, that's going to wrap it. We want to thank our guest, Rob Russell, for spending some time with us, a good 20 minutes, a great interview, uh, or actually a great conversation. And, uh, of course, Mike and Skip, as always, hopefully you will be available and back next week as we continue to explore how to make this work better and better every time we use it. This is brought to you by GraniteRock.com, New Hampshire's leading political blog site, and as I alluded earlier, perhaps Northern New England's leading political blog site, and Skip's pointing his arm at something, and I don't know what it is, but we're done, so everybody have a great night, a great weekend, hope you had a great Mother's Day, and we'll be back next week. Rock Talk.